figure it out. Oh man, did my credits? I got time removed and we don't get a three second countdown anymore. Do we? Did I not see the three second countdown? I don't know. Our interface has been. We're gonna have to wait a week to find out. Yeah, our interface (laughs) has been ripped out from under us. That's fine. Is yours in dark mode too, Trevor? Yeah, it's in dark mode, and I'm. Here's we didn't even get a choice on that matter. In at the beginning, the beginning one we're talking about, the top center where it used to have the time. Now it's got a goofy logo and it says playground. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys? Am I crazy? You guys also have that. They gave you the kids version. Okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. Maybe that. Well, Unlucky. that was a setting I could control, actually. <laughs> we put yeah. Trevor in the playground. <laughs> yeah. At, funny fair. story. Trevor's audio is not recording. Instead, it's going to be me and Kyle talking, and then we're going to overdub what we think Trevor might have said afterward. Are oh, you also awesome. not getting the line under my name? No, we are. Oh, yeah, we got okay. You. So that recorded. part of Zencaster is staying the same, where every now and then we just don't get like the audio waves on yeah. our own line. Okay, cool. I mean, I get, I'm seeing a wave on my line and on your line and on Kyle's line. Yeah, I see yours and Kyle's, but I don't see mine. And this is something that happens like one out of every three recordings. Well, they had to force it into dark mode. They didn't have time to fix bugs like that. I just don't get an audio line. So that's fine. I'll figure (laughs) it out. I can't complain about free podcast recording online services. So this is a really good one for being free, especially like. It's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Um, Shout yeah, out dark Zencaster. mode is. Yeah, Shout, thank you for the sponsor. The not sponsor sponsor. They technically sponsor us. They just don't know that they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're a Utah company. So are they really? Yeah, I think we had this up uh, this discussion. Oh, like episode I forgot 40 about something. that. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember ever hearing about that Zencaster HQ. We should work. Working. We should all just work for Zencaster. I think that sounds fun. I mean, I could help put other things into dark mode automatically for them. Oh, that's right. They're in Cottonwood Heights. Who knew that? Interesting. Over by right. Instructure, probably. We should go. Yeah, a former employer of mine. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Could, Trevor, have you had your coffee today? I know it's a little early for you. No, I um got home and immediately made coffee because I knew we were going to be recording a podcast. Nice. Nicely done. And, and that podcast is episode 103 of Off the Crossbar. Welcome to a Real Salt Lake podcast. Doesn't work if you try to flip the words around. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Thank yeah. you, Matt. I'm Kyle. And we have Trevor. I was just listening, and, guys. And I'm Trevor. It's kind oh, of funny how we go. never introduce ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did once in like episode... 68 i think <laughs> yeah toward the end right <laughs> toward the end of the episode we were like oh yeah we should give everybody our names i was thinking about that because i was listening to rsl sundays which they blatantly lied this week and put out an episode on month wait no they did maybe they did record on sunday i don't know when it came out but i will say <clears throat> ethan and alex are always good at introducing themselves ethan's got his like plugs on lock he's like my name's Ethan Kershaw. You can follow me here. You can subscribe here. And we, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't, I barely want to be perceived, let alone followed on the internet. So yeah, well, bad news for you. I know, but I I'm like the dynamic. We from every account I have access to. I it's, like that. It's very funny to hear you say that Kyle. And I'm, I'm not positive, but I think you're the most followed 
person of the three of us on Twitter anyway. Yeah, but I've Probably been slowly alienating well. everyone that follow. Like my goal is to slowly just suck myself away. Problem is, is that like, um, I mean, the same thing with Instagram. Like I, I, I got rid of my Instagram or I guess it's, it's in a, for a while. It's in a, it's well, you're, you follow the secret one. I'm saying oh. that like my main one was the one I was like, when I was like trying to do, when I was doing like Instagram stuff, when I was big on Instagram, uh, I like I could I could reactivate that and turn it into a specifically just a podcast account and I could try to make all of I think I have like 22,000 people following me. I could make all of them listen to this podcast instead. They but would I won't be do that. So disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I just like delete everything. I mean, look, it's in a, it's in a perennially uh deactivated state. Yeah. Just indefinitely. So, it's there, but it cannot be found. You will not find me. I'm living under the radar and I can't, I'll never go back. I like just the idea of posting on that account gives me so much social anxiety because a bunch of just randoms are on there. You know, I don't know who's following mm-hmm. me. I don't want them to see, see what I'm up to. So yeah, my brain really changed from when I was 22 and here I am that trying may, to be I mean, secret that, on a podcast. That's literally a thing that happens, right? So that's what they say. I it's mean, hard, it's as- hard to know. I did listen to an interview today that made me a biology expert. So, you know, I mean, look, when you're posting as hard as I was, your body is using some adrenalines and hormones <laughs> and it's releasing them in a way. Well, hard, it's hard it's to, hard it's hard to manipulate. manipulate. Yeah. It's a hard situation to manipulate. And so sometimes you can't, you can't practice adrenalines being released is what I'm saying. So yeah, you need some real life situations what what if you went skydiving and tried to post on Instagram? That might be manipulating time. a situation, you could say. But how if you're trying to say rehab a player back to fitness, how do we recreate the adrenalines that they'd face uh, in in a in, in you know a, a playoff game, for instance? Do we have a bunch Actually, of people you know with paintball guns trying to shoot the players oh, with paintball guns while right. they're running around the field? Is that a good way to get it up? Like depending on how scared they are of. Paintball. I don't know. How do you recreate adre- adrenaline? If I think I have the perfect way. How did that as like a season ticket holder gift, like one training session, you get to show up and shoot paintballs at the guys for 10 minutes while they try to play a game. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the, the players union might have something to say about that. I'm not sure. I, I should hope so. Um, yeah. My solution yeah. is to have them listen to social hour. This podcast. Oh, this is you adrenaline. Actually making that yeah. joke. Okay. Yeah. Adrenaline at its finest. What, uh, mm-hmm. what are we what are we what are we cooking with? I saw both. I uh, Trevor. I, I did not see you last week. You uh, did not. I was uh, very busy. What do you been? Okay. <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, not much. No. Um. <laughs> I. Uh, so my <laughs> life works really well. And everything goes great for me when like there's a routine and a structure and like I can plan for things and like everything works out fine. Right. Sure. If things like come up or get in the way of that plan or routine, like that's when my life kind of gets really stressful. And so this last week has been one of the most stressful weeks of my entire life for that reason. Um, Like four months ago, my ex came to me and was like, Hey, I need you to watch Charlie for like five days uh, in the middle of the week. Uh, in August. Um, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I can handle that. Not a problem. Charlie can just hang out at my house for like five days. 
I'll still have to go to work and try to just be by themselves, but they're 12. They can handle that. That's fine. Yeah. And so I totally put that out of my mind. Didn't think about it at all. My ex is going to, or went to uh, Minneapolis or Minnesota for a wedding. And that's what the plan was. So it makes total sense. Happy to help with that. Um, then a week, two weeks ago, my ex calls me and was like, Hey, reminder, you're taking Charlie for those five days starting on Wednesday or starting on Wednesday night all the way through to Monday night. Oh, and by the way, Charlie starts school that Wednesday. Oh, which means that Charlie can't stay at my house and just hang out at my house all day. Cause Charlie has to now go to school. Mm. So I had to figure out how to get Charlie to school by 7:30 but then also get to Salt Lake by 8 a.m. every single day and <laughs> anyway long story short uh-uh. that didn't happen i um had to end up staying at my ex-wife's house and sleeping there for a couple nights so that we Charlie can wake up and like go to school and then i would have to drive to my house and like get ready for work and then go to work and then come home from work change out of my clothes then get into my personal vehicle drive over to my ex-wife's house and hang out there for you know, until bedtime and then just do the whole thing over for a couple of days. So it was very kind of hectic. And, um, at the same time I started my on-call week for work on Friday. So I was on call from Friday afternoon, the whole weekend. Um, and I'm on call right now. I don't expect it. I'm not technically <laughs> on call until six o'clock. So I shouldn't get any interruptions hopefully Okay, cool for the next 40 minutes, but it's a possibility we might get interrupted today. Um, but no, and then Saturday ended up being like for our on-call guy, Saturday is basically like a regular work day. Kind of, you have a couple service tickets you got to go do. Um, and those turned into a giant mess. I ended up working like an 11 hour day on Saturday, on Saturday, Jeez. I went up to park city to work on this lady's smoke detector issue. And it was supposed to be this quick, like 30 minute thing turned into like a four hour troubleshoot. Then I had to go back to Salt Lake, do something, went home. Then one of the places that I went to in Salt Lake didn't fix the issue, had to go back and spent like another like two hours troubleshooting a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't really need to, but whatever. Um, (laughs) I did, but it was definitely stuff that like could have waited, but they wanted me to do it then. So you do it then. You you have been up to a lot, I guess. Yeah. So, but it's just like work, extra work and also hanging out with Charlie um we did watch hot fuzz yesterday for the first time first time for charlie i've seen it a hundred times and charlie (laughs) loved it a hundred times huh like give or take like okay yeah one of my favorites i love it that's a good one um so we watched hot fuzz and that i told charlie that if they liked hot fuzz we would watch Shaun of the dead and then at world's end to complete the trilogy yeah and like as a fair trade, we would watch a whole bunch of Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, they've got like the whole, I don't know if it's the whole Studio Ghibli co- collection, but it's like a seven disc set with like 19 movies on it. Something like that. Sounds about so, right. So, yeah. So once they watch those three, then then we're going to start motoring through a whole bunch of the Studio Ghibli movies. So, so how did Charlie like, sorry, continue, Matt. Yeah, so a bunch of Studio Ghibli movies are going to theaters just yeah. kind of once a month. So really? consider that. Oh, yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. How did Charlie like uh, Edgar Wright movies? Fan? Um, loved them. Nice. Absolutely. Loved them. Thought they were hilarious. Or at least thought Hot Fuzz was hilarious. Um, Edgar Wright makes fun movies, man. 
He does. And my favorite part about Hot Fuzz is just how like the first half of the movie is all just set, like this is going to sound stupid, but the first half of the movie just sets up the second half but in like a callback kind of <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, yes. So it just like, it's just going through the first half of the movie. And then the second half of the movie is just like completing all the jokes totally. from the first half, you know, yeah. and just doing a whole bunch of callback. And I love that stuff. Like, yeah, callbacks it's are very easy and simple, but it's my, one of my favorite like forms of comedy. Mm-hmm. So and I, yeah. And I like Simon Pegg a lot. He's great in that. Yeah. <laughs> Simon Pegg is great. But so anyway, um, I was pointing out a whole, all the callbacks that Charlie was missing. And, yeah you're gonna break out uh scott pilgrim anytime soon oh they're already they've been watching scott pilgrim for years it's one of their favorites okay so already one of the things i was like oh by the way this guy that did these three movies also did scott pilgrim and that was kind of the nudge that they needed to be like oh okay yeah we'll definitely watch this then i'll probably like it and they did it was great yeah had good times nice that was my weekend kind of hectic super busy um but we got through it yeah we, we managed to make it work did not see the rsl through. game did not go to the rsl game because i was did you wait did you watch it retroactively i or meant did, to I oh that means we gotta tell to. you all about it and oh. then um i caught up on twitter and caught up on most not most but a lot of the slack game thread comments on it yeah. and i was like eh, yeah i probably don't need to it's hard this sounds like this is one of those ones that's hard to you know get back into it's hard to watch again um just you know for a variety of reasons but um nice what are you what have you been up to matthew i made larb yesterday for my first time uh which you saw on instagram and commented on how good Um, how good was it it was pretty good i think i can do better okay um i think i need to up the heat on the meat just a little bit to get some browning okay um and then i think so i did it in a walk the recipe called for like a saucepan type setup um which i thought was unusual i think i should have done that so i think there was just a little too much evaporation of like the oils and juices from the pork so i think it was a little drier than i wanted it to be okay so next time i'll probably do it in a saucepan see how it goes i mean i love cooking wok but yeah, so larb versus uh, num talk or waterfall beef is basic. Is it is it all the same except for the cut of meat, like the way that the meat is prepared? Or no, so num talk I think is a little saucier. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much more because I mean a lot of the flavors are the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you make a a sauce for for num talk, right? Well, I think I think it's I think the meat is it's sliced and then I think it's marinated in that same dressing that you put on top okay, of. Okay, yeah. Is my understanding. Yeah, so so larb is a a minced or ground meat. Yeah. And that's going to be one of the big differences. Yeah. So I think oh man. Oh, this sounds so good. Okay, I can't. Anyway, so what else have you been up to? I'm g- going to get so hungry if I oh, think about it. Oh, I, I was going to say uh, I've got extra toasted rice powder. I made some. <sighs> so if you need some for Nam talk happy to share or if you just want like a couple cups of sweet rice and you can do it yourself it's super easy that sounds you just great. toast it on the stovetop in a, a pan of you know whatever type you want oh my gosh. really I'm easy s- and i'm getting so hungry i'm sort of tempted to put uh toasted rice powder on uh popcorn oh my butter, goodness a little toasted okay. rice powder yeah so i'm gonna try that now we're cooking with gas that sounds great yeah 
Wow, um, other okay. than that, uh, I watched an anime in the theater called Inu O. Uh, oh, nice. was, we didn't yeah. go see that, but we considered doing that this weekend. If I wasn't on call, Charlie and I probably would have gone to see that. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was definitely uh, more avant garde than I was expecting. Um, half of it is, ba- I mean, it's basically like a rock opera um, set in like medieval Japan. And there's some like historic elements to it. It was really beautiful and just the music was was great. Uh, but it was not at all what I was expecting. And that was not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, other than that, hmm, I don't really have anything else. I, I feel like I finished watching something, but it is. <laughs> have so, either of you watched the rehearsal? No. Neither. Okay. Do you, are you I'm familiar with what the, no, the rehearsal is? This sounds familiar. Okay, so Nathan Fielder from Nathan for You has Nathan a series. Thing. Yes, okay. he has an HBO okay. show called The Rehearsal, and the last episode aired on Friday of the of this of this season. They he got it got renewed for his second season right before the this finale. Um, uh, I like no one else in the history of television or movies has done anything like what he's up to, um, and. I think I think that point needs to be made because the there were some the last episode was very divisive. Uh, It's made it's it's upset a lot of people and I understand why. And a lot of people didn't like I know people that didn't like it and I understand why. But I think it's one of the most incredible like seasons of television ever made. It's the most it's one of the most incredible like pieces of art ever made. And I understand why people have issues at some level but there's like some eth- some ethical questions <laughs> throughout throughout this this season of the rehearsal that I think are, are very interesting so the first episode I will I will say first episode is kind of like um setting the stage for what the theme what for themes that are going to be explored in in episodes like two through eight or eight I think it's very so episodes two through eight are all very similar in uh, their story, but episode one is different in its story, but uh, there's some things that are similar. But anyway, I can't, I, I don't know if I could in good conscience recommend it to everyone, but if you're looking to be challenged by what you understand to be the medium of television, I highly recommend because it's Perfect. like, it's, it's, uh, it's extraordinary uh, for sure. Anyway, so I've, I finished that, uh, Carly and I finished that at some point this weekend. Um, just really, really great stuff. Um, I had a friend from New York who was in town for a wedding. Um, she, uh, had a couple free evenings, uh, Friday and Sunday. And so did, did some classic Utah stuff. We went and took a bunch of photos in the mountains on Friday, went on a really pretty drive through, uh, the did, did like a really big loop, so like went up big Cottonwood Canyon uh over guardsman pass into midway and then over into provo canyon up to sundance the alpine loop and then over and then and home it was great it was like a it's a very i i realized uh that's it's kind of a similar loop to what carly and i've done like we do like halloween drives like around that time of year we'll go on like really long drives like uintas or the year before was very similar to to this one it's great anyway so that was lovely saw I saw a lot of very pretty. It was just oh, and Friday the like the weather was great. It was like 
in the in the like the low 60s in the mountains uh and this weekend was very lovely weather in general so um so that was great didn't get like rained on really or anything but um so did that uh what else i like i said finished the rehearsal been watching the boys the third season which is uh classic the boys and then um yeah haven't really just been been working i can't remember what day we we recorded last week um so okay here's a question i have for you guys so yesterday i had some i some friends of mine uh they're into doing seafood boils is this something that interests either of you this has been brought up before we talked about did we talk about this like yeah. crayfish and crawdads oh. and okay and like this that actually thing. that was in like that was kind of in a in in abstract because that actually did happen not yesterday <laughs> and i no yeah right we did we did have this discussion around like sam like okay i that's right yeah. um so that happened <laughs> how yesterday that? how did you handle it I didn't have any of it because I didn't, it didn't sound <laughs> good or look good to me, but it, they did the classic, like <clears throat> put a big plastic sheet over a table and just dump the entire pot out over a mm-hmm. thing. And everyone, they ate uh, it very, yeah, it's very horrifying uh, to someone who I, I've always been someone who, uh, the situation in which I'm eating is like, I'm like kind of specific about it. Like I want, I don't, I want it to be like pleasant and you know, sucking the meat out of crawfish oh. next to a table in a backyard somewhere just like isn't my. I had a lot of fun with my friends. It was great to see my friends. I got to make that clear. Not not my vibe as far as the food, the style of eating, just none of that. <clears throat> none of that interests me at all. And it all comes from the same big pot of stuff. And I'm just like, you know, there's potatoes in there. There's corn. None of that sounded good because it was all in the same thing. And I'm just like, yeah, no. So I, I didn't eat any any of that. But anyway, that actually happened. Not in not in the abstract, but it actually put in practice. I will say also later that evening, which both of you might have seen. I know Matt, you did see. My friend Dylan is fostering a, a really pretty black cat who just had a litter of kittens, like very recently uh and he's fostered like he's fostering them through the humane society so after like a couple we i don't know how much longer the humane humane society is going to come back and pick up all the kittens he's adopting the mother cat and uh the smallest kittens i've ever seen in my entire life like they're just so tiny and so cute fit in your hand yes they're like the they're like they're so small it's like it's really crazy so i got to see some really tiny kittens yesterday and it was really cute um <clears throat> but yeah, other than that, haven't been been watching too much. Have I seen a good movie recently? Did I talk about seeing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I might have mentioned that on you the did, last yeah. episode. That was good. That was the last movie I saw in theaters. Um, but yeah, so there's some stuff coming into theaters pretty soon, I think. It's been a pretty rough summer of movies, but um, yeah, hopefully get to see some movies in the theater soon that I'm looking forward to. But I think that's that's it for me. We're coming to the end of the FIFA cycle and I'm not oh, yeah. playing FIFA 23, so my entire life is freeing up, so I'm really looking forward to that. Are you, are you really not going to play it though? I'm really not buying it. I'm not playing it. I'm not buying it. Uh I can't do it anymore. <clears throat> and I'm very excited about that. I'm finally breaking free from the shackles of EA Sports. 
and uh, get get my life back. And I'm looking forward to the new me. <laughs> and that's not playing FIFA. So. New FIFA year, new you. That's you're absolutely right. And uh, but also, on the other hand, I just don't like soccer anymore. It was not a good soccer weekend for me. Uh, you know, my fantasy team, my fantasy Premier League team sucked. Uh, that was bad. And then uh, the teams that I like didn't perform to the level of I'd be happy with. So, you know, that's the other piece. Soccer, I've determined to be bad. So I think it's, it's safe for us to turn this into a full time social hour podcast. I thought it already was. I mean, we're basically there. It's but anyway. social hour with a sprinkling of soccer on the side. Yeah, a little bit. Is yeah. it? Is it time to get to the I think soccer it's, part? Oh, I wait a Hang on. Matt, you didn't. Yeah. This is not your fault. This is my fault. Um, you didn't post a link to the bio. The to the bio? To the doc. And where's it? There, there it is. I thought you pinned it. I couldn't find it on the pin. No, it's bookmarked. Pin, bookmark, same thing, right? Uh, Right. There it is, the doc. I found it. Okay. Sorry, waste of time. I got the doc open. Let's go. I love it. If anyone ever figures out the uh, hash to our doc, they can see all the things happening in real time because it is publicly available. It's true. But uh, my not to, not to give sure too my, much away, but it starts with docs.google.com. Oh, excuse my, uh, me. Old boss will be very upset if <laughs> I say this, but uh, I'm really a security through obscurity kind of guy. So oh, I just coughed in the mic. Sorry. That's all right. Um, anyway, security through what? Obscurity. Oh, okay. All you gotta do is just make the URL random enough. Yeah, we're fine. Okay. No one, you. no one's gonna find all the horrible things we write on here. It's basically like a burn book, but for RSL, you know? I mean, that's because we're writing about Real Salt Lake. That, yeah. that is absolutely nothing true. Nothing we've said is particularly controversial. I yeah. Think. I don't think so. I think we're good. But it is news and rumors, so that's that could be controversial. I know it's been controversial in the past when we... It's like inter-podcast controversial because Trevor hates one recurring segment, which... Isn't on here, but it's fine to leave it off. Hasn't been on here for the last three weeks, so I'm not really complaining about it. No, it was on episode 102. We just didn't get to it. Yeah, we forgot. It it was not on episode 102. You just added it it after the fact. No, it's not. I don't. I don't remember what the truth of that situation (laughs) is, but it was there. Okay. In the past, you say so. (laughs) All right. So, uh, episode 103. First news and rumors item, Bobby Wood sounds like he's set to start full training, which is great. Uh, That's good. Because he's been out for, what, quite a while, right? Yeah, and it's what pretty safe to assume June? that. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, but it's. Really? I think it's pretty safe to say that he is going to be more effective for us than Rubio Rubin. Oh, is that okay, true? Rubio Rubin. I mean, he was... Well, yeah, we don't, use, that, we don't use Rubio Rubin. I know. We had this discussion, and we did the same thing again with him in this last game. <laughs> where it's like we don't actually we don't actually use him. The problem is that Bobby Wood is not like out and out, obviously better than anybody up front. So it does like it gives us more options, but it doesn't like solve a problem. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not like Sergio Cordova is for sure like second best behind Bobby Wood who would have had 15 goals this year 
if he was healthy and played all the games. Bobby Wood would probably have five or six goals if he played all the games. Like that, that there's a controversial thing take for you. He he might have less goals than Sergio Cordova if he was available, or yeah, about maybe. the same goals as Sergio Cordova. But it's good to have Bobby Wood back. But I I don't know that it like drastically changes much of anything. Yeah, not particularly right. Although, but it does give somebody he- the opportunity to start somebody over Cordova. That is true. Yeah. If if that ever happens, um, we'll but Cordova did score a goal, and we'll talk about that. It was a good goal. Uh, we'll get there. And in fact, it's even in the notes. I don't know if you noticed that. Is real. Oh, shouldn't read it out <laughs> yeah. loud while I'm trying I, to fool Trevor. I noticed that it is in the doc. No good. Um, so there you go, Bobby Wood. Uh, next up, Danny Masovsky, our, our additional striker. Uh, training with the club for the first time. Slash or did No. Uh, did no, I mean, just, just you wait. We've got a segment on that. We'll get there, but slash winger. Um, so set to train with the club for the first time, I think, or or did already, but uh, he's he's returning to fitness, which is good. Um, and we'll get to what Pablo has said about fitness on fitness. There we go. Which is also in the dock and has been the whole time. It was never not. Um, Oviedo, it sounds like, will be arriving in the U.S. Uh, Brian Oviedo. Uh, Look at me remembering his name. Uh, close to arriving in the U.S. Uh, probably as soon as tomorrow, it sounds like, according to some reports. Great. Cool. Um, sounds good. What's going to um, be interesting is like if, uh, I mean, look, we're desperate for wingers, right? Maybe yeah. he could pressure a certain player into the midfield, but I don't know. Oh, man. All right. As a winger. Uh, no update on uh, Brian Ojeda, who is... Still awaiting visa stuff. Uh, and then no update was on he, Demir Krylik. Was he the one that was posting um, on Instagram from Wales? Or was that? Yeah, that was him. Else? So okay. essentially, I think the update was that. Uh, let, me see, let me see if I can find it. Um, I think Joseph asked Pablo, and he doesn't know um, when Ojeda will get in. Last he heard, Brian had an appointment in the U.S. consulate in london a week ago so um you know i guess we'll see yeah i mean why not go on a little vacation if you're gonna you know go to yeah. a new country and you have to wait anyway yeah agreed so yeah hopefully he is here at some point at some point i guess uh yes it, is he gonna play i mean how old is he he's 22 oh yeah yeah, he's I the mean, young one. He's 21, 22. Yep. 22, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Oviedo's ancient. 32. Not ancient, but. Nice, 32. You know, he's all right. Near enough. Yeah. And then Musovsky is 27, isn't he? 28? Yep. About Jasper Loffelson's age? Uh, Jas- Jasper is actually 24. I'm, I'm making a joke that Jasper's <laughs> just drafted and Musovsky's been a pro for like seven years. Musovsky is 26. So. Okay. So. Yeah. Two years he also went to college for three years at UNLV, I will also say. And then he also played for, uh, which it was while he was in college, he played for the Las Vegas Mobsters, which is uh, an American soccer team <laughs> uh, that played in the United <laughs> Premier Soccer League, the UPSL, uh, which is oh, the fifth okay. the fifth year. 
Um, they just called themselves the Las Vegas mo- uh, mobsters. So that's what they did. And they. That was a choice uh, that they made. Have not played a game since 2017. So makes that's sense. Good. I think. So. All right. So, like I said, Demir Krylik, no update there. Uh, Pablo said it was impossible to know when he's coming back. It's um, always a good sign. Yeah. Wait, then Danny, sorry, he went to UNLV from 2014 to 2017. During all those years, though, he also played for the Berlin, Berlingame Dragons, the Berlingham. Yeah, probably in, in the offseason. They're what, NPSL or NAUSL or, PDL, probably. or something? Yeah, they're, they're PDL, and their team was owned by Nick Swinmern, the founder of Zappos. So, Oh, okay. Uh, where is Berlingame, California? Zappos? Zappos, the shoe company. Talking about Zappos, the prominent Las Vegas lights. Yeah. Yeah, Another big Vegas company. Uh, It's in San Mateo County. Oh, so it's the North Bay. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that where he's from? You know, he just went home. As good as mine, but I could, you know, just tell you. He's from Henderson, Nevada. He's from Vegas. Born in Vegas. He's a Vegas boy. He also did play for the lights, um, which is interesting. Lights were LAFC's like um, USL affiliate, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he was an, an Earthquakes player that was loaned to Reno, and then yeah, he's had an interesting Reno San uh, Jose's affiliate, so that also makes perfect yeah, sense. He's had an interesting career, so. very Nevada focused career. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Heavy Nevada career, but anyway. All right, so no update on Krylik. Great. Uh, and then Pablo Mascarini gave a couple interviews today, and there's some interesting outcomes uh, for us to talk about. Maybe maybe outcomes isn't the right word, but he said some things that we have some thoughts on, I think is fair to say. some funny things. Uh, so like. first, he talked about player fitness. And uh, Kyle, do you want to take us through that a little bit? Is this... <sighs> Is, is this, this the, the adrenaline one? This is the adrenaline yeah, one, right? I mean, a little bit, but but it can go beyond that, of course. He had he had a funny line. I'll show him, Tom. Yeah, he did have. So the uh, the adrenaline thing is interesting because so he was talking about he was talking about getting players back up to speed. Uh, or t- Tom asked a question about getting players coming back from injury, or spe- specifically talking about uh, Demir Krylock and Danny Musovski. Um, about getting them playing, and I guess Bobby Wood too. But uh, and Pablo was talking about the challenges of being able to recreate. Uh, he used some incorrect words that he didn't. I don't think he meant to say, but uh, talking about re- to recreate game type situations because his argument was that uh, it's going to take longer for certain players, even though they might be training at full strength or whatever, might be with the team completely. They're not going to be ready for game moments because games contain moments they they make your body uh expend adrenaline and hormones which cannot be recreated in a non-game-like situation and so it's hard to get them into that type of fitness that is also taking into account the impact of adrenaline and quote hormones on the body which Yes, I guess that's probably true, but this isn't something that's unique to RSL and this is like part of the whole thing. So, um, that's yeah, just, I just, yeah. Soccer players. <laughs> that's that's yeah. athletes. You don't get, the reason that I don't like this the most is that this is basically just him being like, oh, we can't get players games because they don't get games. Yeah. If they don't get games then how are they going to get fitness for games? So we can't put them in games. 
And the, which from is what just it like, like a really stupid thing for a coach to say. Like, yeah, I've got a direct quote here uh, that I put in Slack earlier. It's, this is not really a time to be gaining fitness in games. There's just too much on the line to be doing that. But we're going to have to do that with all of these guys. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Why are we in a position where we are not <laughs> able to get players minutes and games what he's talking about basically is like rehab minutes so guys that have been out for a while coming back and like gaining game fitness by playing in games and he's treating that like that means that the player is not going to be able to contribute on the field in a meaningful way so we can't put them on the field because they're actually going to be a detriment to the team yeah. at a time where we need wins which it's probably true because every single game is a playoff game from now on, but we're still eight games left in the season. So why are we in such a position that every single game is a must win and you can't rehab guys? Yeah. Which, which is also is a silly thing crucial. to say because you have the Monarchs ex- explicitly for that purpose. Not explicitly, yeah. but that's one of the many obvious great uses of the Monarchs is to get guys game minutes and rehab minutes. Yeah. Throw them with the Monarchs for a game or two and then bring them up to RSL when they've got that adrenaline and hormone stuff figured out, whatever he's talking about there. Yeah, I didn't really understand but that either because we've done that with like Rubio Rubin when he was coming back from injury at the beginning of the season. Is that what it went when it was? I don't know. Yeah. But it's um, just, it's, it's silly yeah. to be like, oh, we can't rehab these guys during games, but they need games to get rehabbed, yeah. but we can't do it because it's so important. Yeah. Like, you're either yeah, going to do not it or, like, yeah, just it's a very goofy mentality that I don't understand. And it doesn't seem to help anything because how are you going to get these injured guys back in the team if you can't put them back in the team because of the position that the team is in? It's also frustrating like, that we none just of that can't make sense. Yeah, we can't get ourselves any breathing room um, like every game. You know, we, I, it was. It was at least one game ago but before that it might have been before the seattle game where they described every game coming up as being like a playoff game yeah i think it was uh, prior to the saddle seattle game somebody <laughs> gave that quote yeah and like that's that's one thing but then it's also like every game that actually takes place we don't have breathing room in those games either like it's easier to get your guys minutes if you're up two or three zero uh but every game for a while has been like a dog fight <laughs> and like we even like the ones we win, like we were very fortunate to come out of the Seattle game with a with a win. I thought we talked about that, how many chances they blew in the last like 20 minutes when we essentially did the same thing we did this last game where we shifted into more of a defensive formation with uh, putting in an extra center back. Um, and it almost cost us in Seattle and it did cost us against Vancouver. But um yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like it, it's like another way to get guys in game minutes at these in these games is to I don't know, play really well and score goals and then uh you get yourself some breathing room to put in some of these other guys that would really benefit from some time. So but that's a bit of a luxury it seems uh, <laughs> because every game's a playoff game and it's kind of feeling like it as far as uh the tensions go, I suppose, and like the we just, I don't know. We, we, we can't, we, we got a lot of teams on our heels right now when it comes to the playoff race. And then we've got a lot of, uh, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't put Vancouver away and, uh, we made, they made us pay for it. So when he says that it's reflective of both our position in the table and 
our position in every single game where it feels like and the difference between winning, tying or losing is just like one substitution, it, it seems. Uh, but apparently, I don't know, that's never been a risk for Eric Holt, who uh, hasn't, by all accounts, has not gotten a lot of game minutes since early in the season and keeps getting put in in important moments and uh, is near has cost us two goals. And again, it's not just him, but it's like, I don't know, it's kind of funny that the last two times Eric Holt has been subbed in, we got scored on nearly immediately. But Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But there's a tactical thing there that like Pablo kind of brushes over in an, in an interview today. Yeah. And I, I think it'll be interesting to talk about that in the context of the game and how that affected the way we opted to play because it was a choice that, that Pablo made. And not even talking about tactics, just going back to the whole like adrenaline and hormones in game minutes thing. When Eric Holt hasn't played very many game minutes this season, has he? Am I I missing something? Because I don't think he has played. I seem to remember he played a little bit against Seattle, but I might be losing my mind. Against, yeah, he came into the Seattle game and that's when Albert Rusnak scored. Um, and 560 minutes on the season so before seattle he hadn't played since the 14th of july at 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 atlanta and um he played early season minutes then it's not a problem for eric holt he didn't play for five games through the through the summer he played july 14th and then didn't play again for a solid month so okay well i don't see how eric holt can get minutes in the game but we can't manage to find minutes for other guys who are coming off an injury yeah, like, it's just a Eric contradiction in what Pablo said, which is par for the course. Uh, Eric Hall did play uh, Monarchs minutes, so. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. So he got game minutes through, <laughs> he got the adrenaline and hormone through the Monarchs. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, I guess that shut me up. Well, good. <laughs> that's that's good for all of us. Um, so let's move on to the next item, because it's another Pablo Mastro anything. This was in his regular uh, press availability today. And Caleb, Caleb Turner of KSL.com, uh, actually my coworker, uh, had, nice. has a, a poll and a quote. He said, where does RSL lack the most depth? And then it, I thought it was clever. He followed it up with a quote uh, about an hour later, two hours later, three hours, if you, if you want to be accurate, I guess, um, about you know, where RSL lacks depth. Uh, it's pretty even across the board. Almost nobody thought we lacked depth that on the wing, according to those results, uh, it's it's not a scientific poll, but it's interesting. Uh, but he followed it up with a quote from Pablo Mastroeni. And he said, we're a little light in the wide areas as far as wingers. The two wingers that we have are Chang and Miram. And obviously they've been putting a ton in a ton of minutes. Hmm. There you go. Two completely true uh, statements. That we only have two wingers, and they've been putting in a ton of minutes. Those are both undeniable things. Um, yeah, it's it's just really interesting because uh, so Caleb Caleb also he tweeted out de- what he what he described as the depth chart, and he said forward Cordova, Sava, Rubin, Julio, Wood, Musovski, Luna, wing Miram, Chang, mid Ruiz, Lawlson, Caldwell, Beasley, Hidalgo, Ojeda. Um, I don't I don't agree with the so wing isn't really like a classification between forward and midfielder. That's usually not like a, I guess, super important distinction, but I will say that Cordova, Sava, Julio, uh, are all, have all been explicitly called wingers. And when we signed all of these players were wing players, 
uh, Savarino, when he came back to RSL, was playing on the wing. Yeah, uh, he, he's been a winger his whole career. Yeah, and so and I don't. He's doing all right at the ten-ish, whatever it is. He's not, playing not like a. Thing. He's playing like a second striker that's just dropping deeper into like a ten role. Uh, it's um, kind of what we've done with uh, Krylock at certain times, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And like uh, Julio, that was explicitly a wing signing. I thought it's like what's crazy is like we've made the we've signed these wingers that we used as as like strikers because we didn't sign strikers. And now we're like, oh my gosh, we don't have any wingers. It's like, no, you that's that's what they that's what they are. <laughs> like that's what these players are. And you changed that actually. Yeah. So we I talked yeah. a lot earlier this season and a lot last season about how we just like only ever seem to sign wingers. It seems like we've got 10 wingers on the roster. Yeah, I made the but joke now- of the empty egg formation or the yeah whatever. because we, we need a way to get our four or five best wingers on the field and, and yeah we, like, we did we found a way we turned we found them into a way. we just called them all forwards and stopped calling them wingers like <laughs> we have wingers dude that's not the that's not the problem problem is not a lack of wingers yeah and it's like and if you do or and if you're you if we feel like we're so we have like big, big problems around not having wing players uh, I will also mention that we that one at different times in the season we've played a three four three with our fullbacks being Brody and Schmidt and those actually worked really well so there are there are plenty of ways around this and like um you know I like if you if you were so committed which I don't it's a false premise of saying we don't have like depth on the wing we do we've just made wingers forwards because we don't have depth at forward because. Bobby Woods hurt and wasn't good. Sergio Cordova has found a run of form recently, which is good. But we have wing players on this roster that aren't Miram and Chang, but we're just not calling them wing players anymore. But again, we we can play we can play the three four three with two more defensive wingers, and that has worked that 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 worked well this season. I thought, especially with uh, how Andrew Brody's been playing as of late, that might be something that we could do. But um. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, pretty confused I, I, by that. I don't agree at all that we're light in the wide areas. Um, we know that I, he actually <laughs> believes this because he's playing Miram like more minutes than he's ever played in his career, probably. Oh, at this, at this, I, like he's playing so many minutes, it's crazy. So I don't know. It's like it, we know that he actually. It does seem like he actually does believe that because he doesn't seem to be comfortable putting anyone in for Miram. Um, except for like defenders. Uh, but he also, you know, will sometimes play Rubio or Bean. Well, when Rubio or Bean comes into games, he's usually on the wing, which doesn't work. It's well. weird because that's not what he is. Uh, let me ask you a real quick question about, speaking of not having enough wingers, um, why would we ship off Joni Menendez if we don't have enough wingers? <laughs> like if, if we're weak in the wide areas, why are we shipping off wingers? I don't think yeah. there's like, a good answer to that, unfortunately. Like because an there is no answer. The answer is that we're not weak with we're not weak in the wide areas. We don't lack wingers. We have plenty of wingers. Pablo just doesn't. doesn't I don't want to say him. Pablo doesn't know what he's talking about because I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. But this particular quote, like, it makes me think that we're taking it out of some kind of context that makes us make sense. Because what we have, what we're quoting here, it, it doesn't make sense. It's not true. So like, I would trust Caleb on this one. Uh, Caleb, you know, Caleb I'm not saying that Caleb him. is like giving yeah. us the wrong quote. I'm saying that maybe there was additional things that Pablo said that isn't in, 
in this tweet that we don't know about or have immediate access to that maybe gives us a little bit more context and makes us make sense. Anytime I get a a quote from a coach or a quote from a player that like you look at and you're like, that's not true. That's not the case. I feel like there's more explanation that we just didn't get. I mean, the question was where he feels his roster is limited at the moment. And that was his answer. So, well, then it's a dumb, bad answer. Like, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. There's a first time. I want to give Pablo the benefit of a doubt that like, maybe he gave a better answer than that. But if he didn't, that's a dumb answer. It's just, it's not true. It's not a good yeah, evaluation a of the weaknesses of this team. Eric Walker saying Sava, Julio, and Cordova are wingers being played as forwards because we'd barely have any forwards. Luna yeah, is well. a 10 who can play forward but hasn't been. Yeah. We don't even know what Pablo's like. Luna is not getting any minutes, let alone, uh, you know, trying to figure out what his best position is. Like, that's not even a luxury we could, we've gotten at all. Um, it's entirely unclear to me what Pablo thinks Luna will play as since we don't really play with a 10 we play a 4-4-2 except one of our strikers is now Saverino, which is a new development which happened within the last few games he was playing on the wing before that instead of Chang yeah. like that was uh-huh. like, I feel like I'm going nuts because that's exactly if you go to like Saverino's fought mob or go to him on transfer market go look and see where he plays he did, it's whatever or heat maps or you know yeah it's just like and like I like form. again that's not to say I, I'm not happy with how like how he's been playing I, I i think we need that type of player but i'll also say that maybe uh we try luna in that position who can play as a 10 if we're going to be playing with a 10 and then we put uh Sovereigno back on the wing which again is his position and instead of like maybe give chang or miram a rest and like chang becoming all of a sudden just like a mainstay as a starter isn't like a super that that's like a pretty new development too like to say like we oh like, oh, we can't, we don't have anyone to replace Chang. It's like Chang hasn't been starting every game this season. Like we've we've replaced Chang in certain instances. So I just Chang don't understand. Chang, Chang was often a substitute. Yes. And I don't understand. He's I don't understand for most of his time here. Whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so I, weird to me. <laughs> Pablo Chang has played several every times. Game he, yeah, a lot of those have been subs, right? Uh 19 starts, 26 appearances. Yeah. So okay. Seven seven substitutes. Yeah. It's like that's a pretty good balance for someone you would like to give some rest to. Like, I don't know yeah. what Miram's situation is, but I'd be surprised if he came in as a sub more than three times. One, one time. He, he was a sub one time, and then he oh missed my. one game. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, and he's on crack, crack for so he already has more minutes than he's had in any season except 2017, and uh, I don't think he'll beat that. But if he plays 90 minutes the rest of the year, then I think he probably would. If there are eight games left, <sighs> 720 plus 1986. That's uh, he very well something. could m- meet his uh, all-time minutes record. No. I did that That's math not. Wrong. How much is that? Uh, it's That's a lot 2700 ish Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's like, look. Uh, I, I like I, I was listening to RSL Sundays. I disagree with Alex a little bit on him saying that Pablo has shown a lot of fluidity in the formation. Like we have played a few different formations this year, but what's confusing is that his justification for playing certain formations never seems to match up with what the actual reality is. Like we switched to a formation to account for Aaron Herrera, but then like he was gone and we still kept playing that formation or like there's there have been things like that. And if if your problem right now is that you feel like you don't have any depth on the wing, 
Let's go back to something we tried earlier this year in which someone that seemed to be on the up, Tate Schmidt, who has just been completely erased from this roster since the last time we played Vancouver because he was played as a left back in a 4-4-2. Uh, it's just like, what happened to that? Like, he scored two goals. He scored a game winner, maybe two game winners. I can't remember. And now he's just gone. <laughs> and if you need a guy to play left wing or left midfield and you can switch to a, a 3-4-3 and you clearly have a center back in Eric Holt that you trust, which I would might argue might not be a great idea, but I don't know. I'm not completely opposed to the 3-4-3 with Eric Holt. We've got a young center back who would fit really well there. We've got Abelhoff and Haziel Orozco that we could be playing. Yeah. Uh, if you, the problem is wing depth, why don't we try one of those other formations that seem to work well that where we provided wing depth through really good wing players and Andrew Brody and at the time Tate Schmidt was playing very well on the wing, I thought. Um, yeah, that's just like out of the question now because we've converted our wingers to forwards and now we're like, dang, we don't have any wingers anymore. And now Miriam is going to play his 30,000th minute of the season uh, away at Dallas <laughs> or whatever. He, he could hit 20,000 regular season minutes on the year. Uh, not not for this year, obviously, yeah. but all time. Yeah. Which would it's be crazy. A, a cool thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah good for him. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, just, it's just so silly to me. Like we've got the players... Yeah, that's the other thing that's kind of like left unsaid is like the players that we've been playing at like left back isn't even a left back. He's like he was a he was a winger <laughs> like Andrew Brody's a winger. And that's why I think yeah. he's you know like converted good. him to left back or to, to right back. Actually, <sighs> was that a pet key thing? I can't remember. That was one Mike Pecky. His first yeah. thing when he got no, here. I thought was, that was, it, no, it was Pecky. He turned him into a, a wing back during his like two weeks coaching Real Monarchs. Yeah, I thought that right. was a Austria thing. No, no, it predated that. It's Austria. Okay. It was after. Yeah. Um, so, okay. yeah, I don't I, I mean, look, Andrew Brody has, I, I think, is a, would be a great wing player for us. I think he's got the skill sets to be a winger on this team. Like that's doesn't seem to be he, he I, I know. I don't know if it's the same after this last game, but like we were looking at progressive pass stats and he's leads this team. And we've talked about how direct he is with the ball at times. And gets the ball into dangerous positions. And when he does that as a left back, sometimes that leaves us really exposed. But if he's doing that as a winger, I don't know. It seems like that could be a win-win. We could give Justin Miram a little bit of a freaking break, if you ask me. But look, um, you know, I'm not the dang coach. So yeah, no, it's just, it's insane to me. Insane is too strong of a word. It's weird to me that Pablo comes out and seems to, like you said, he seems like every game he's got some excuse or some reason for doing what he does, but it's a different one every single week. And it seems to justify the decision for that week, but it doesn't justify any of the other decisions that he's ever made. It's just, it's constantly contradicting himself and constantly just like creating problems for himself or justifications for himself. Like, Oh, we, we don't have wingers. And like, we're just supposed to accept that. Like that's blatantly not true. But if he's going to come out and be like, oh, this is the problem right now. We, we don't have wingers. It, like, we don't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't accept. Mu I've been saying this for a while. I can't accept much of what Pablo is saying because so often it is just not true or so easily like questioned. But nobody seems to be questioning it. Nobody seems to be like yeah. pushing back on any of this stuff. And. Yeah, yeah it and just I seems also, like this is all just another example of just Pablo just 
saying stuff. Not make not making a lot of sense when this he's Ablo with Pablo. This is the real Ablo with Pablo. Yeah, is him just saying stuff. I do. I mean, I'm, I, I, it. What's clear to me? What's become increasingly clear to me is that he sees players as certain positions, and then like, and and like, there there seems to be pretty hard and steadfast rules about certain players he sees in in positions. Like he. And I, I mean, to be fair, like I don't, I don't like Julio isn't a like for like replacement for Justin Miram, uh, or Michael Chang, who I think are two very different players. Um, but like you know, to say we just like don't have wing depth, it's like yeah, you don't have two, you don't have a clone of Justin Miram, but you've got other players who can play on the wing, and yeah. maybe you need to learn how to play a different way when those players need a need a break at the stage of the season because. I don't know. There's a good chance you run players into the like. I don't know. We we, we saw it with Sporting Kansas City last year when we beat them in the playoffs. Uh, all the fans there and like the reporting seemed to indicate that Peter Vermees had just been running that same team into the ground. And by the time they hit the playoffs, they just they crashed out and they burned out. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're playing a bunch of young players with lots of time left on their legs, right? Yeah. No, uh, and I ran some numbers around that. Um, yeah. RSL is the, uh, I don't want to say worst in this case, because we're just talking about like a raw number. Uh, yeah. oh, RSL gives the second least minutes to players 24 years and younger in MLS. You know, people yeah. you could reasonably say are young. Uh, anything 25 and forward, like those are not young players. They're, they're, you know those are the players you expect to have in any squad in the in the game right or yeah players 25 to 28 kind of reaching their prime about to reach their prime or you know still on that path you brought that stat up um yesterday day before whatever it was anyway you brought that stat up and it's something that it should be pointed out in years past rsl excelled that most notably under the mike Petke years for reasons that you know we found out later um because Mike Pecky <laughs> got paid to play younger kids. Yeah. But it was something that RSL has always seemed to excel at. And it was something that RSL leaned on as like a, we're a development club. We're playing all of these young players and we're able to have some kind of success with all these young players. And I think it's, it's a good thing to point out that RSL is no longer playing young players like this year. But on the flip side of that, that's because there's three or four of those players that did get all of those minutes in the years past and did turn into MLS starting yeah. quality players. And yeah. the two that are obvious are Aaron Herrera and Justin Glad. But in years past, like we had, um, Oh no, I'm losing my train of thought. Now I'm losing who I was talking about, but in years past we had, we had like Bofo Sacedo who played a lot of minutes yeah. and now he's, I don't know if he's under 24, but he's not with the team. You know what I mean? Like we had a lot of players that we were developing and we did develop and they've just, aged out of that category and now, David <laughs> yeah and now it, it's definitely a problem and it it's i don't think it's indicative of rsl like um not necessarily not playing young players i think we're just benefiting from having played young players in the past a little yeah. bit i, I think, think part that's of true. It is also that like there's a couple years in the academy system that like are kind of gap years for talent We've got a lot of young players that we're, we signed from the academy that are between 14 and 18, 19 years old. Yeah. But we don't really have any from the academy or not that many that are in the like 19 to 22, 23 range. Yeah. It's and I think it's just off. because there were a couple I mean, years where we just either the players left 
or we we just didn't. Well, there was a few things there. Academy classes. Like we moved the academy in in those in those gap yep. years. We moved the academy, and also uh, this organization was focused on the monarchs winning a championship with uh, dudes in their late twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Against against like young players. So like those two things in particular. And like the strategy now with the Monarchs is very different. And like, I'm, I'm very supportive of, of playing like of younger guys. I don't know if I'd go down to the, I'm supportive of the 14 year olds, but in any case, I'm supportive of like younger guys getting team or getting time with, with the Monarchs. It is indicative that gap that you're talking about. Like there is some, there's like a lost generation of players in there. I think that like, it's interesting that there's just no one really that's in that age range. Achoa, I guess was, was close ish how old is he right now 21 right is he 19 21 i don't know how old he is i thought, right he, I thought he reached his 20s but he's, there's also oh, he's, he's um, 21 now yeah so wow. he's 21 so he's like in that in between but like, i think richie ledesma is that age and sebastian soto and taylor booth might also be in that age group as well ish. yeah ledesma is uh 21 as well so like there are some of the kids who like went on to like leave and go to like bigger teams yeah um well, but like we don't have signed some like right yeah. after that happened, there was an outcry. And then Deloy Hansen probably said, I don't have any of this confirmed. Of course, I, I'm sure he said something like, hey, we're losing all these young players. You better sign some young players. And then we signed, you know, two young players who never played a minute for the team. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a perennial problem for this team is like actually giving minutes to young players. And I think. Pablo Mascroeni has shown that he's not a young players sort of coach. No, he's, when he's he talks not a about development. David Ochoa, like not having gone to college and using yeah. that to indicate that he's not mature enough. Like, of course, he's going to give minutes to players who have gone to college, right? Who have are yeah. 24, 25. Uh, and I'm not yeah. saying like Justin Glad and, and Aaron Herrera being 25 is and getting minutes is a bad thing uh, by any means. But it is a it's a pretty stark difference from the rest of MLS and from successful teams in MLS. And uh, from years nationally. past in RSL. Because RSL, I think last year, maybe the year before, or maybe the mm-hmm. pandemic years kind of screwed it up a bit. But I do remember there were several years where RSL was like it was like Dallas, New York, RSL were the three teams that played all of their minutes for players under the age of 22 or 24 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we had like an incredible number of minutes. Um, and yeah. I think Philadelphia was probably in that conversation as well. Yep. Um, but we were, we were like top, top three teams as far as like youth playing. Yeah. We were, we were team hashtag play your kids for a long time. And like for us to suddenly go to the bottom of the league is a little concerning. Yeah. And that's where I'm, I'm resting right now. And then I look at players like Diego Luna, not, not seeing time or uh Haziela Rosco not seeing time. And it just like it sends up a little alarm bell for me. And it's not that you know, it's not necessarily that Diego Luna deserves more time right now. And it's not that Haziela Rosco deserves more time right now. But we've seen glimpses of Diego Luna and Pablo said he's gonna be starting, you know, very soon. And then he dropped off the radar, right? With Hazio yeah. Rosco, it took one bad performance uh, when the whole team completely fell apart, and he hasn't touched the first team since. And things like not, that, like, not even the bench, like, cause for thought. Yeah, and like I get, yes, he needs he needs reps, and playing with Monarchs is good. But if you're asking me, like, would I rather have 
Haziel Orozco coming into games or Eric Holt. Like, there's not a question there. And I guess I'm no. jumping the gun a little bit to talk about Eric Holt, but I feel it's like not a question. We talk about Eric Holt a lot, and like for reasons because he's seems to be the preferred like center back sub. He's on our the third bench, choice center back, which is a, a conversation in and of itself. But it's also strange that like Haziel's like how old is he? Is he he's not graduated high school age yet? Is he? He's not eighteen or nineteen. He is eighteen. He's 18. Okay. So like, he's old enough that like, he probably could be getting minutes and, and, you know, being on the bench kind of consistently. If he's part of your future development plans, like he should be with the first team. I feel like a lot more than he is, but this is a team that has Eric Holt and prefers Eric Holt, but then also went out and signed Johan Kapelhoff, who has barely seen any minutes. So it's like, if your plan is to develop your, your young you know, good future center back. Why are you signing this guy? And I understand that the signing came at a time when it was like, we need center back depth, but why are you signing this guy and then not playing him? And also why are you signing this guy ahead of your kid that hopefully you're giving some minutes to this year? Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. that signing basically means he's not going to get minutes this year, barring three injuries. The last time, uh, Johan Koppelhoff started was Atlanta. And he did score a goal. Yeah. And I, I, and then he yeah. barely has seen the field since. So it's he not, has not he seen the field has. since. Yeah, that yeah. was the last one. I, yeah. um, I, I found this quote from July 3rd, like right after we signed Diego Luna. And he was uh, qualifying. He had just qualified for the Olympics with the U-20s. Uh, Pablo was talking about, Pablo Mastrani was talking about, um, about, Diego, and this is what the Cody said. That's the only way to develop as a young player is to feel it and to live it. Playing those types of games with a lot of pressure prepare him for the future. It's like, can we, can we, can we have him feel it and live it in RSL games too, please? Or the the concern no. that I have with Diego Luna is, for starters, again, he's like the Haziel Orozco age, like he's eighteen, nineteen, so like mm-hmm. he should be getting minutes. He shouldn't. I don't think. He should be the guy that we're like relying on, that we're counting on to like be a game changer because he's too young. But he should be getting minutes and he should be seeing spot starts and and substitution minutes and stuff like that. Um, At that age, I think that's kind of the expectation. Um, But that aside, the thing that I keep in the back of my mind is, and I don't remember who said it. I want to say it was Elliot on some radio interview. Um, But when we signed Diego Luna, and then he was showcased on the Olympic qualifying team. There was a quote that was like, this is part of the reason that we got Diego Luna was because he's going to be like kind of in the window for this stuff. Yeah. And it's potentially that he's going to develop into a great player that's going to help us in the future, or he's going to be a player that a lot of teams are desiring. And we wanted to get him so that in the future, if somebody wanted him, they'd have to buy him from us sure. instead of from El Paso. Yeah. And it feels like maybe that's why they're not really giving him minutes is because they want him to get to the Olympics and then and then do something they in the Olympics. I and mean, then just just let the Olympics sell him and make the team some money. And like if that's the plan, like it's just it's for cool me make money, but also yeah. like 
get young players and play them and develop them into great players. Like what's wrong with that strategy? It, it doesn't feel like we have the comp. We feel like we have the, the ability, like we don't have the confidence to, to be able to do that, I guess. Like, like I, I did mention this when you were talking about the winger depth or whatever, but when we have Salvarino, who we know is a winger, and then we have Diego Luna, who is by all accounts, a 10, he's an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we have Sovereigno playing an attacking midfielder role, kind of almost unofficially, I guess, because he's a second striker in a four-four-two. Like that seems like such a no-brainer to me to get Diego Luna some good minutes with like our, you know, our best team to give a rest to some of these guys who we, you know, supposedly do want to give a rest to. Like that seems like such a no-brainer to me. Where I mean, I don't think Diego Luna has looked particularly out of place among. Some of the other, uh, like, I mean, I mean, come on. I, I know he's, he's a lot younger, but like he has more professional experience than Jasper Loffelson and Jasper just is like, a, I mean, he's earned it and I think he deserves it, but he's like a mainstay number eight, <laughs> I guess for this yeah. team. And it's just, it's just interesting who gets the chances to like play and fail and who doesn't. And like, it doesn't it's it seemed like for a while like the young guys if they make a mistake or if they're part of a poor performance that's held against them but it's not it's not reflective of the rest of the players and Hazi is probably the is obviously the best example of that where it's like he was part of the worst loss of the season but so were the rest of the 10 guys on the field and the only one that hasn't seen the field since then other than him is Demir Krylock who broke his back so it's like um yeah it's just it's just weird to me that like uh we would not give more chances i don't know i i a lot of play I, I, like i've seen diego luna in in those like small appearances with rsl and like he does bring a unique skill set uh one of which being possessing the ball which i think we particularly struggle with um and yeah and i think he has a higher defensive work rate than someone like rubio rubin who was completely useless yet again in uh, this Vancouver game. We put Rubio Rubin on the wing and guess where the ball came from that scored the winning goal or the tying goal for Vancouver. It was from Rubio Rubin not really closing out a defender who played, or uh, I, I guess it was their defender, or right, right back, playing a very long diagonal ball into the box to, who, to a player who was not being well-marked by the guy who gets away with as many mistakes as he wants, it seems, Eric Holt. And again, he, Eric Holt had a good start to the season, I think. And I, I Eric Holt as a starter seems to be different than Eric Holt as a substitute. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. should we, let's just talk explicitly about that game. Well, I will uh, say that David Ochoa was in Utah at a Mexican restaurant. Okay, now let's, yeah, like La, you don't La know Casa why. del Tamal, which I've heard is amazing. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Day, so. Is that good? Anyway, so that's the last item on news and rumors. Now we can talk about Vancouver. All right. So walk us through it, Trevor. How do we go (laughs) shot by shot? Yeah, so we played a game in Vancouver, and it was against the Whitecaps. In Vancouver. We uh, against Vancouver in Salt Lake. I apologize. I misspoke, obviously, because I was there, and I know everything about this game. Hold on one second. Where to go? All right, so... Uh, Kyle, maybe you want to take this one because I don't actually know anything about it. There's a couple yeah. of yellow cards early, and then we scored, and then they scored, and then the game was over. Is that good? Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's good. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was this was a pretty. Is it, the the weather was lovely. The taco trucks. The taco truck was there. She apologized profusely for not being there through the 
dog ex dog days of summer, but she's back. <laughs> it's great to see. Got a confirmation from the club prior to the game. Uh, I also have know someone that has her number actually because they've hired her for catering events in the past. So I think there's going to be some regularly some regular check ins to verify you know if we can count on that as dinner plans moving forward. But yeah, not just, from me. Just leave a good tip if you do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm oh, not, I'm not, I'm not sending the text, but I will be. And like, yeah, I always tip, uh, tip them proportionally because their tacos are, are very inexpensive and they're very, very good. So, um, anyway, so I, uh, was in the South end for this game. Um, you know, wanted to really experience it from, from, uh, from that perspective. Cause that's nice sometimes, but this was, it was a pretty rough first half. Like we, we did have some, um, decent moments. I remember pretty early on, I think within the first 10 minutes, Justin Miram had a really nice shot from outside the box that forced a good save out of their keeper who I thought had a really good game, um, made some pretty big saves. There were a couple moments where I think they scored a goal that was called back for being offside, which was a good call. Um, yeah, with like Trevor mentioned, we got some yellows pretty early. I think Gasper had one. Um, you know, Sovereigno had a couple of chances in the first half. Skyed one, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, overall, the first half was kind of kind of a snooze fest. I uh, I didn't. I wasn't particularly impressed, other than you know the 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 couple times we we forced a, a good save out of their keeper. But um, yeah, didn't. I, I was I was nervous about it. And then like pretty early on in the second half. Uh, I was even more nervous because Vancouver came out of the gate in the second half, creating like a bunch of really good chances very quickly. Um, and uh, I think it was, yeah, it was literally, okay, I'm looking back on it. 46 minute, they get, <laughs> get a couple looks inside, inside the 18 and uh, wasn't, wasn't awesome. They had one that like really, they probably should have scored on where I think it's Justin Glad that gets completely turned because Aaron Herrera was out of position and they cut inside and missed a pretty easy shot. So yeah, was that Cavallini? Yes. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, there was another, Oh man, 51st minute. There was actually a really good moment where we forced probably the best save out of their keeper where Sergio Cordova had some nice work down the wing, uh, was able to play a ball into Saverino who, um, one of those instances where he's really benefiting from being in a central position where he takes a shot from the top of the box and forces a really good save out of their keeper. Um, that, that was, that was good to see, but just, I mean, it was a good performance from their keeper, but I, we didn't need to be scoring these. Um, there was another moment. I can't remember how far into the second half, but Saverino. Oh, it was the 56th minute where Sava hits the crossbar from about the penalty spot. Gotta gotta see that one go in because he's was in a really great position. Well, and then um, we have to talk about the rebound there. Because oh, it, it drops right to Sergio that. Cordova. Yeah. And instead of I, Cordova reacting to it, it oh my bounces goodness. off of him like very tamely and is saved by the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a shot, it was just bounced off of him from yeah, like that was, a yard out. Yeah, that was pretty oh. tough to see. If if he gets better control on that or is able to hit it one, first time, then that should be a goal. But yeah, that was pretty frustrating. Um, and then, you know, some more chances from Vancouver. They had a really nice, like, volleyed shot that McMath dealt with pretty well. Um, but the biggest moment, uh, obviously, for us in this, in this half was... And it, this came off of Vancouver... Just blasting the bar, uh, the ball off the off the crossbar, like immediately. So they hit the crossbar. That's the name of the show. 
Yeah, we they hit it off the crossbar, um, and like we 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 uh, cleared it decently well, and immediately counterattack from that crossbar hit. And Jasper Loffelsen plays a very, very nice pass in behind for Sergio Cordova, um, who does pretty well with this one. Patiently kind of just lets the defender take himself out of the play and then buries it to the far post, which was a, it was a really good goal. And I really liked to see that. I was very stoked about that goal, obviously. And uh, the pass was, was phenomenal. Something that I do not understand, though, is like seeing how we scored this goal and how we scored it last goal and seeing how we created our chances in this game, our best chances, which came from, uh, you know, passing inside the box that came from, I can't remember what the, what the Pep Guardiola pass is, but from the sixth across, yeah, the danger zone, seeing how we create our best chances and seeing what we try to do over and over again is very fascinating to me that we just often seem to not play to our strengths where I'm watching how, you know, we, we create these chances and we still somehow want to do the endless crossing. We want to cut outside instead of cutting inside toward the goal and setting up a, a, a progressive pass. Um, we do a lot of crossing the ball to, again, no one that uh, can get on the other end of it. So, um, you know, but then, of course, the most frustrating things about this game, like I, I can't remember. I need to check the minute on it. Um, what minute did we start making substitutions? Uh, 62nd. Michael Chang so, left for Anderson Julio. Yeah, so that was so fine. You, you would think it would play a winger, but he instead just sort of played it forward. Uh, yeah, it's entirely unclear what, what, what Anderson Julio's instructions in any game actually are. Uh, he does whenever, I don't know if he's told to play winger. What's, it actually does make sense to me that Pablo doesn't see him as a winger, as a replacement for either of those guys, because anytime he's on the field, he's just playing as like a, as another forward. So, um, yeah, like I, I know he is a winger, but we don't have him play wing. We play, we have him play, uh, forward or second striker or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, we make that sub in the 62nd. Um, but then uh, in the in the the 72nd, we put in Scott Caldwell and Rubio Rubin. So Rubio Rubin comes in as another winger for Justin Miram. Scott Caldwell comes is is now in the middle of the field. So our midfield is now Pablo Ruiz and Scott Caldwell. And now we have Sergio Cordova, Rubio Rubin, and Anderson Julio all playing like they're and, who are all like sort of and Saverino. So we're playing like a four-two-four. And I'm just, I like, that wasn't necessarily a, like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a Scott Caldwell fan. I, I, like, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't know anything about him. Uh, I don't like, you need to have a, a three man midfield if Scott Caldwell is playing in midfield, in my opinion. And we, uh, did not do that. We, we, we replaced him like for like from, from Jasper who covers a lot more ground is a lot more of a two way player. Um, and I think that left us exposed. And then, uh, a big moment was when we did end up taking Sergio Cordova out for Eric Holt in the 83rd minute. So we move into a five back or a three back, whatever. And, um, we end up conceding four minutes later to Julian Gressel, uh, who headed a a ball from like around the penalty spot. And the man that lost his mark was Eric Holt. 
the pass got in way too easily. No one, it, it was, it was all too easy for, for Vancouver. And it was uh, a huge, gigantic, massive disappointment bummer to see because uh, not, it, it was, it was so clear to me that we needed a second goal after we scored the first one. I was like, if we don't get a second one, I feel like we're in trouble here. And uh, I was really worried about exactly what happened, happening, hap- exactly what happened happening. And uh, taking off our foot off the gas, and Pablo was kind of asked about this by Tom uh, about like the psychology that goes on to that the team experiences when you sub in a defensive player for an attacking player like that, and if you just naturally sit back more. And Pablo agreed and said that's true, um, and talked about momentum and all these different things. But there are ways you can you know set your team up to where you're not just sitting that far back and letting crosses bomb in from the, from like diagonally to, to open strikers. I don't know if that was necessarily a mentality thing, but maybe, I don't know. What did you uh, think Trevor? My only comment is that I don't think Holt lost his mark. I think he had his mark. He just played him incredibly weak. Like they both challenged for the ball in the air and Holt seemed like he was just jumping to jump. Like, he's like, oh, I got to also be in the air. Okay, let's do it. Holt is the kind of guy that, like, I would fully expect to, like, have a step off of the guy and then jump to meet him in the air and, like, hit him in the air. Like, because he's a hockey player. Like, we've talked about this with Holt before. He's not really a soccer player. He's a hockey player. Uh, He challenges with his hips. He challenges, like, into their body. He's not very careful. Like, it leads to a lot of fouls. But, like, that's his defensive style. And if that's your style, like, that's fine, but it was a very un Eric Holt like challenge. Jumped on, the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Like he just wasn't in the right spot. Didn't jump the right way. Just didn't defend it the way that you would expect him to. So yeah, it was just very very weak defending, very poor defending in a pretty critical moment. It wasn't that he lost his guy. He just wasn't Eric Holt enough about it. And I don't know that being Eric Holt enough like would have solved the problem, but no, I might have given I, up a penalty. It might have, but I would still rather like Eric Holt defend the way that Eric Holt defends. Yeah, in that yeah, situation, I, I think what he didn't do really there was anticipate that cross at all or that that ball in because that's like he's he's jumping too late. He's jumping the wrong way. Uh, like I think that if he gets eyes on that earlier and he's like anticipating the, that that ball in, then he can jump forward toward that ball. And like it seems it caught like all of our, it caught like everyone off guard. Like Justin Glad, I mean, I, I can't really tell how close he he was, but like I mean, the whole defensive line just kind of was ball watching there a little bit. And Rubio Rubin trying to defend that, I, well, that's actually generous. I'm not sure if he's trying to defend that, but he was trying to walk around by by the yeah, cross he's, he's trying to be in the what he thinks the right position for a winger would be in that situation right yeah it's not he a natural doesn't thing know. Him. no he doesn't know so it's no, just and it's yeah we were kind of criticizing rubin earlier for his defensive play which like sure he's not good at it but i don't that's why you like don't it's put really, him in those positions it's not a yeah, secret. i don't really feel like it's fair to criticize rubin for that no, because it's, it's not. like he it's not what he does you It'd can't like, put him out there and be like, go defend for 20 minutes, dude. That's because that's not what he does. Yeah. If you want to have a defender, put a defender on. Yeah. If you want to have somebody to like oh, chase yeah. the ball, put a guy that's going to chase the ball on. You know what I mean? Like you can't put Rubin on and then be like, all right, you've got a lot of defensive responsibilities right now. 
Let's see it because was Tay Schmidt in the eighteen? Like it is crazy to me that he just like no Tay Schmidt wasn't even in the eighteen. Does he not make the eighteen anymore? No, I think he's uh, injured. Question he's not injured. Probably. Oh, you're right. He is injured. He did something to his knee a few weeks ago, and I don't know yeah, that he he's not injured. Right. You're right. Yeah, it's like I mean, the bench we've got Diego Luna, Nick Beasler, Bodie Hidalgo, Kapelhoff, Thomas Gomez, Eric Holt. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it it was just I I I don't know. We I mean, took we we took our foot off the gas when we made those those weird subs. Like having all of those so weird. It was like attacking. I I didn't. It, it was it was it felt way too unbalanced to me. Like it was like okay, now it's up to it's up to Pablo and uh, Scott Caldwell to hold down the midfield together, and we don't even have like our quote wingers on anymore. So according to Pablo, we were playing with four forwards four strikers or four forwards I mean, we were playing if, with four non-wingers wingers. yeah if yeah. those aren't wingers then why were we playing with four of them at the same time well and the steadfast like like i i understand wanting to put Saverino at the 10 and experimenting with that Agreed. and like by all accounts Saverino's done all right and i'm i'm not upset that Saverino's playing at the 10 yeah, but if you're in a situation where you need a player who can run down the wing and defend across, you've got fullbacks and you've got wingers that that are like really eligible for that, and we've refused to put Savarino back in that position. And I, I mean, there's not a good reason why, right? Like he was more than capable there. He's more natural with it than Rubio Rubin would be. Anderson Julio is more natural with it than Rubio Rubin would be. It just, yeah, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I didn't, I did not understand what the what the strategy was there really at all. Um, yeah, it it just felt like a completely unbalanced formation, or it was an unbalanced set of players once we made those first two substitutions, especially with how undisciplined positionally Anderson Julio is, and like his and his main instruction seems to be like try to like run into long balls and behind, uh, you know, I, I just, I didn't know what the plan was and having him on the field at the same time as Ruby ever being and, and Sergio Cordova just didn't really make sense to me. Um, and Scott Caldwell, like I said, I don't think can dominate a midfield with one other midfielder, uh, at his side. It just like was never going to happen. So I don't know. Uh, it was a really, really disappointing game to give up, uh, give up that point or those two points because we're told that like, you know, this is playoff. Every game is a playoff game. And then for us to just really feel like we threw the, threw things away like that was just a gigantic bummer at home yeah. too at home. And like Pablo in his interview today, I was also saying that like he, he said explicitly, there's no such thing as, as home advantage at this stage Ooh. in the season. I've got to uh, think about that. Oh my he, God. I forgot about that. <sighs> Yeah, he said there's no such thing as home field advantage at the stage in the season. He said away teams play like home teams. And no, I, is he just saying that? I think he's just saying that because we won at Seattle last week and then uh, we lost. Or we, it felt, I mean, that by all accounts, that was a loss <laughs> to Vancouver. Yeah, um, I mean, to because earlier in the season, he had some stuff that he said about how home field advantage is really great. And now he's saying that home field advantage doesn't really exist at this part of the season. Again, kind of feels like him walking back what he said before and contradicting himself and just, yeah. just simply like 
saying what needs to be said to justify whatever performance we gave the week before. Like, I mean, if he's we, talking we, specifically we, about we played, RSL, we haven't we, had a home field advantage because we've been dropping all these points apparently. So, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, we we played well at Seattle. We played bad at home. So clearly, that means there's no home field advantage in this stage of the season. It could also just mean that like you played really bad and made a lot of yeah. bad decisions and let a really bad team score a goal on you and like you're the one that killed your home field advantage like home field advantage is one of those things that works if you're doing everything else right if you're putting out the right team there and the right players like you get a little bit of a boost from playing at home but if you go out there and put out your worst team home field advantage yeah it doesn't work or if you make the wrong substitutions and put out somebody that isn't contributing or or is put in the wrong spot or whatever like you ruin the team yeah home field advantage doesn't work you're right yeah good yeah, point pablo i i have we, we've talked about this a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways but like it was interesting to see what people i i think it was like just your average fan seemed to seem to have the opinion that like the subs the substitutions made in that game did change things for the worse um and i thought that was like pretty obvious that that just seemed like game mismanagement and you know we we've talked about the difference in coaching like presser responsibilities from like jeff kassar to pecky to pablo but it is and it's something that does bug me about pablo is that there is never it's never any of like the decisions that were made around like tactics or substitutions or anything like that it's always just like super hyper individualized where it's like it's execution, right? It's it's it, it's literally so atomized down to like it's like players mentality. Like the reason why we didn't win that game is because of mentality. And it's like I understand what like mentality plays a big part in in games and like you can tell when when we seem up for it or not. I didn't think we seemed like we had a poor mentality that game. Like I I it did seem like we were up for it. I thought that we didn't play particularly well and we didn't make the most of our chances in a lot of the of uh like these moments, but you know, Sovereigno forced really great saves out of this keeper maybe a lesser keeper gives up a couple of those goals um so i didn't think we necessarily seemed like we had a poor mentality coming into this one this like i which i couldn't say for a lot of games this season where it seems like maybe we have but it just like saying that this one was like a mentality one when it's like you know no responsibility really ever <laughs> like pablo can never fail he can only be failed by his players it's like sometimes i just it just does get old hearing like not ever being able to hear like, okay, maybe this one was on me. <laughs> yeah. When it, it, the discussion becomes like, oh, momentum wasn't going our direction. So I made some changes to try to get momentum in our direction. Yeah. But, but it, it doesn't like the pieces don't fit together. Yeah. Just cause you made substitutions doesn't, doesn't mean it's going to influence. Like how is momentum gained? Like how can you actually gain momentum? And I'd argue that a big piece of gaining momentum in, in, in this game is being able to like possess the ball effectively and like frustrate your opponent and be dangerous. And like when you, with those subs, the first set of substitutions seem to take away a lot of, uh, that power. And so he's acting like momentum is just like created out of thin air. And like, I'm just like a chemist messing with different things. And I'm just going to create momentum when it's like, there are the things you can do to make things happen on a field on the field to create momentum in your favor. And when you are at home, uh, that should be a little bit easier. And it has been in the past. And we know that it, you know, can be. 
but like to just completely, it seemed like we just stuck our island, our midfield on a complete island, and then it was like, oh, crazy that, that the momentum didn't switch in our favor. And it's like, yeah, because they were just hounding us for the last twenty minutes, and we couldn't really get anything going. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's strange that he. Um, it's weird that he says like momentum is an issue. So I tried to change the momentum, but then it like didn't change, but that still like, isn't his fault. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he made the thing, he did what he could do to make the thing happen that he wanted to have happen. And that thing didn't happen, but that's not his fault that he wasn't able to make that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's still a mentality thing or it's, it's still like not his fault or responsibility to like make things like better. Like yeah. if he, yeah, like I said, I'm getting real sick of Pablo. Matt, this thing that you sent, what, what am I looking at here? Um, oh, is this is this the touch map that you just put out, or is this something else? I, yeah, I did put out a touch map, and I think it, it's relevant for this game in particular and what we're discussing. These are touches from the 60th minute forward for our forwards. Uh, Cordova, of course, is substituted out at the 83rd minute so you have 23 minutes there for cordova with one touch one touch uh and everyone literally just could not get we could not get the ball in like the attacking like dangerous part of the field at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like there is a there is a if you are looking bottom to bottom to top back to front of of the field there is a c-shaped hole that's just completely around Oh, sorry. Uh, in- we're, we're attacking left to right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Left to right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Where we yeah, there's still yeah, a it's, hole, it's not much better. It's a little like, less probably. Yeah. It's like we got, it's just completely empty up there. So, yeah. I mean, we did our, we did our very best, I guess, but man. I mean, and it's um, split pretty evenly between like attacking touches and defensive touches. Mm-hmm. One of those touches is dead center. And I'll bet that's a touch from right after the goal. That's a kickoff. Yep. That is. Yeah, so like we've got equal touches in the attacking half and the defensive half, but we're looking at four forwards mm-hmm. touches, and there's only two touches that are inside the attacking 18. Yeah. Yeah. And no one really on like the midfield wing areas. <laughs> so, yep. Um, yeah. I mean, it really illustrates what happened in this game, which is we made substitutions, they didn't work. Right, mm-hmm. we, we couldn't find the find the ball, but the way Pablo talked about the game when he talked today with Tom Hackett for the RSL show, he talked about like the way they drop into like a, a counterattacking shape. He didn't call it that. Uh, he didn't even use words like absorb pressure. It was it was a little. I think when you let Pablo go off, he gets lost in his words a little bit, and that's a very normal human thing. And I don't want to fault Pablo for that because that's happens to all of us. And if you let me talk long enough, uh, it'll happen to me in very short order, I'm sure. Um, and it's going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor's trying to goad me into I'm just waiting for you to start. <laughs> yeah. No, but but he talks about like absorbing pressure and, and counterattacking and that being the goal with the way we made those substitutions. And that that only really works when you can get players in attacking positions, the ball, right. Yeah. And we didn't. 
uh, not in any yep. meaningful way. We didn't press yeah. like we didn't. We just sort of let them like have the game at that point. And once you once we scored a goal up and went up one zero, like it's right at the start of this. And for us to like drop off our pressure, like seems almost criminal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't score the goal late enough in the game for it to be like, uh, okay, let's just hold on to this. Like, if you score a goal in like the 80th minute on and it's a one nothing game, then I can't really fault the coach for being like, okay, we got it. We pressed for 80 minutes. We tried and we finally got our goal. Let's just hold on for mm-hmm. the last 10 minutes. Like, I can see that making sense. But when you're like scoring a goal, when did the goal come? It was the 61st? 60th minute. 60th minute? 61st on this, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Either way, when you score with 30 minutes left in the game, like, there's still plenty of game left. That shouldn't be the time when you're like, okay, let's just relax. We've done it. We accomplished our goal. Like, go score some more. We were outshot at that point, four to eight. We were outpassed. Out interceptions. That's actually a really interesting one to look at. And uh, if you give me one second, I will post that in Slack. But if you look at this, I have to post it first for you guys to look at it, though. These are Vancouver's interceptions and RSLs. And you can see the positions at which they're intercepting the ball. And (laughs) we get a very clear look at what's happened here. And I think it relates directly uh, to the wing substitution we made and had Pablo, uh, not Pablo, Rubia Rubin playing on that left wing there's a group of of, yeah go on trevor i was just going to describe what we're looking at so we're seeing um the interception map um on one side is the vancouver interceptions and there are just quick mass seven of them four of them are all in basically the same spot on the field it's the right wing their right defensive midfield wing um there's four of them all right there and then the other three are kind of inside and just outside and in the kind of the zone 14 area um but then there's two for rsl and they're kind of on the again the right defensive wing a little bit um but yeah there's four all grouped together in basically the same spot for vancouver we didn't have any so it's like interceptions like at all right but it's clear that like we're making that pass yeah down that and vancouver is seeing it and just like waiting for it and let's get that one they're going to make that pass every time and we'll just intercept it every time. It's like, that's what happened. If you're looking to, I'm see assuming what that's what happened. Like. I didn't watch the game. I'm just looking at the dots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're looking to <laughs> see what this chart looks like, I did just post it on Twitter, uh, labeled as podcast context interceptions. So nice. That Nicely right done. Now. Trying to be better about at least one thing. Yeah. And that's, the yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, uh, it, that after the 60 minutes after we scored it was pretty frustrating uh and after those substitutions really i just I, I didn't see the vision and i i don't know so there's one other know. set of charts i put in there i think it's important we talk about this home game uh or the i forget the the words pablo used but home field advantage that's that's the word yeah. i'm looking for so if you scroll up to about 424 and you can find this on the form guide if you go to the rolling charts uh, this is for five games. 
So we've got two charts here. The first is away. The second is home form uh, over five games. And you can see RSL <laughs> home form is bad. Five points in five games. That's not the worst of anybody. Sporting Kansas City at one point had zero points in five games, which yeah. is just so delicious. Uh, but Real Salt Lake is currently in uh, roughly the form that DC United has been in for the entire season at home. Yeah. And that's yeah, not good. It's not. It's absolutely not good. And it's also like when he mentions uh, when he says that you know teams don't have uh, home field advantage at this stage in this season. Um, that's an interesting interesting thing to say before we have an away game at Dallas, who's been pretty considerably better at home recently than they have on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so ten that's, from the last five. Ten from the last five. Yeah. Um, so that's and their their home form home form versus. Uh, um, away form is, is quite different and again this is Dallas who is third in the West right now they've played two, we have two games to hand over them uh, they have four more points than us um, so this is a this is a huge game um, and then the next game after that is the we have a home game in Minnesota or against Minnesota and then we play another away game at LAFC and I can kind I mean I don't know if it's much of an advantage their home phone form despite as how good they are just in general, on the road too, their home form is exceptional. Um, so yeah, there's when that. When was the last time they didn't win a home game? I don't Hold even. On, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, we have to go back to uh, August third in the League's Cup against America. They tied zero zero. I don't oh, think that counts. That competition that was actually also not it. Oh, was that a bank account? Austin California? FC May eighteenth was the last time they played at home and did not win. It's safe to say that that they have had a home field advantage recently. I will also say that the final uh, or the next one we play is is against Austin, uh, who actually is kind of a weird outlier where they are better on the road, it seems, as of late. Yeah. Um, Yeah, For most of the season, they've been very good on the road. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And then, of course, LAFC levels. So, Yeah, the Galaxy is our last away game who are way better at home than they are on the road. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of, kind of seems like there's still a home field advantage, but listen, man, I don't, again, I don't make the rules around here. I just report the rules, just a hall monitor, but they, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried about the Dallas game because this is going to be a pretty, it's, it's, this is a big game for us, obviously. But like just looking at the standings, RSL's at 38 points right now with 26 played. Nashville is played one more than us. They're right behind us with 36. Galaxy have only played 25, so they have a game in hand over us, and they have 34 points. So one game, if they make that up as a win, then they're 37 or 38. So, uh, and then of course we have the Vancouver Whitecaps. That was a big game for them because they're only four points behind us now as well. And then we have Seattle and Portland at 33. So. Uh, it's gonna get a little nervy. We have eight. Is it eight games left? One, two, yep, five, six, seven, eight. Um, you know, we got two, uh, four at home, three, three on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that wait, four at home, four, four on the four road? Is that four. what it is? Four, four. That's eight. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I honestly have no idea what's gonna happen. But like, my fear is exactly what happened last season. And Pablo talked in that same interview today with Tom saying like we gave up a lot of goals last year due to a switch in formation of playing three back. So he is cognizant of that. So 
I'm, you know, I don't expect us to start giving up a lot of goals, but uh, I think it's going to come down to being able to, to consistently score. And like, it's great that Sergio Cordova has found a run of form. Um, but how many of the, we've won one of the games that he's, so he scored in three games or has he scored in four games straight or three? Three to three. Three. Um, and we won. three games. Three, three is great. I don't, and we drew, I don't yeah, remember that's the last great. time we had a player do that. I, yeah, I don't, three and three is, is awesome. We have only won one of those though. And so it's going to take more than just Sergio Cordova scoring a goal. Um, yeah. So, yeah. We should, I mean, well, I guess we just did, but we should mention that like we've been kind of crapping on Cordova all season. Like, and I think fairly, but three goals in three games is really yeah, impressive. <laughs> it's yeah. really, really good. I he, really he hope he like, A super puzzling player for me because not long before that, he had a ball literally, I mean, like minutes before, a ball bounced off of him like a yard out from the goal and fell right to the goalkeeper's arms. And yeah, then he scored like a, a really classy goal <laughs> minutes later. Yeah. It's very yeah. confusing. It's I very much like, I don't know. I, this is where I'm at with it is like I said, after he scored his sixth goal after the last, not this last weekend tour we played before I'm trying to blank, but he's still like, I think now it's seven goals and 25 appearances and yeah. like three and three is really good and it should shut people up for a little bit about him, but it's still seven goals and 25 yeah. some odd games, which like still cause for concern, especially if he still has huge misses in games. Like we're not over the hump. Like he could very easily go the next three games and not score a goal. And then where are we? Like, Yeah. Let's just hope that doesn't happen because I would prefer <laughs> that he uh, keeps scoring right now because I don't want to flame that. His past track record indicates that it's more likely that he goes the next three games and not score a goal than he is that to is like possible. score a goal in the next three games. So, you should, like, you place a bet on it. I don't think yeah. I can place a bet on like over the next three games, but I probably place a bet on the next game. You should. But the odds are going to be garbage because he scored in the last three. So I'll look it up. We'll see. All right. Nice. Well, there you go. We previewed FC Dallas a little bit. No injuries of note aside from Tate Schmidt. The one. Um, and then, of course, Demir Krylik and Bobby Wood not, not going to play this game. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, Masovsky plays, but you never know. Uh, Dallas said. Sorry, I can keep going, Trev. Oh, I was just going to say, the update from Pablo was that Masovsky could possibly play as soon as Minnesota. Okay. So would not expect him against Dallas. Yeah, yeah um, don't, don't, don't rush him back, certainly. Yeah, and then he did say Oviedo arrived yesterday and will begin training and is apparently traveling to Dallas, but I would be surprised if he featured. I think that's probably just more to like yeah. get him integrated with the team as quick as possible. Maybe he's got Dallas did Dallas. just get absolutely worked by Nashville um, on the weekend 4-0. We lost Kyle for a minute there, but the audio probably oh, recorded. So sorry, am I back? You're back. Okay, I'm on the right side of my screen now. It's very confusing. That is weird. Okay, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, I was saying how Dallas got worked by Nashville on, on over the weekend 4-0. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of. <laughs> I mean. It looks like I don't even know if Jesus Ferreira played in that game. Oh, th- they traded for Sebastian Legette. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it, as far as like most under the radar trades, the most under the radar trade, I think of all season is that one. Like, yeah, I don't think anybody I, really I, noticed until like two games in and they were like, oh yeah, that was a really good trade. Good job, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, that you is a, Paul that's Ariola a great and Sebastian Legette. Yeah, they've got like, I mean, Paul Ariola, and then I don't know why Jesus Ferreira didn't play that game. Um, I can only assume that he's going to be back because I don't see him listed injured, so I don't really know what's going on there. But um, Maybe yeah. they're trying to limit his minutes. <laughs> it might get- be. That's what LAFC is doing with uh, <laughs> with their guys. Um, they're trying to give somebody else a, a chance to get the hormones and adrenaline figured yeah. out. I wonder why he didn't play because he he oh, literally just wasn't in the 18. Yeah, he wasn't on the 18 at all. Not listed as injured. What's that, Matt? Hormones and adrenaline. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why he didn't play. I can. He doesn't listed. He wasn't listed as injured. They got completely destroyed. It seems like they're gonna want to win this game. So there was Um, a quote somewhere from Mastroeni. It was probably in the RSL show. I can't find it, but he talked about how um, this Dallas game is the most important game of the season. I think something close to those words. It seemed like it was very much like the whole the playoff. Every game's a playoff game mentality. Yeah, I mean every um, every next game should be the most important one. Right? Oh, he was on yellow card suspension. That's why he wasn't playing. Ah, okay. So just in time, we get a fully fit Jesus <laughs> Ferreira who's on a week break. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and he scored the winning goal at RSL when we played them last. So yeah. Uh, the other thing that Pablo said um, that makes perfect sense and you love to see is he said every Western Conference match from here on out is a nine-point game and the Eastern Conference <laughs> ones are six-point games. So it's really good that we've only got like eight more games left in the season. That um, means we can get up to 72 points from <laughs> Did he really say they were nine-point games? Yeah, I'm looking at Dude. Caleb Turner. He's I'm quoting gonna- one other tidbit from Mastroini today. He said that every Western Conference match from here on out is a nine-point game, and the Eastern awesome. Conference ones are six-point games. I, I mean, which is just you know ins- they, they call them six-point games because, like, it it has the potential to to widen that gap. Six point, right? It could be up to a six-point six swing. I'm curious where the nine comes in. It's That's awesome. Here's the he's, thing: he's I already like fun. hated the six-point game. I get yeah. like I get it. It makes yeah. sense, but it doesn't actually because it's not a six point swing. It's a three point swing one way or the other. So to call it a nine point game is just like, oh, well, if six point games are important, this is mega important. So it must be a nine point game. Ridiculous. Just that's cool. Really man. silly, silly <laughs> mentality behavior. It's that's just I need to. <laughs> I honestly feel like we have got like a weird guru for a coach and he just yeah just says a bunch of stuff and I just like get a get a kick out of it and I don't know it's, what it just screams like a guy that's like oh well if six point game if that doesn't motivate these guys maybe if we just go more extreme <laughs> call it a nine point game every game's a playoff game and it's worth nine points every goal is worth six we're just doing the NFL now and yeah. if you score a goal at six it's worth six points it'll make it more exciting for the fans yeah, it just it. It, it screams that like he feels like he's not motivating enough, so he's just gotta make everything more extreme. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's silly, dude. Like it's so funny. Uh, Whatever. Pablo's yeah. Pablo's Pablo. 
That's yeah, right. Yeah, he is. He certainly is that. So we play Dallas in Dallas, which is good oh. because our road form is incredible. So I, um, I do want to mention something. I gotta I gotta plug something before we end. That's for the the next home game, and I'll mention it probably again after we. I, I think we could record after Dallas, in between after Dallas yeah. before this. Uh, we usually do. Anyway, um, so for the next home game, the LA game, um, RSL. Let me let me pull it up. Wait, the next saying- home game is Minnesota. Yeah, Wednesday the the. 31st. Wednesday the 31st as part of like their like kick childhood cancer thing I I probably should have said this at the beginning maybe I'll say this at the beginning of the next episode <laughs> just in case yeah that's a great idea let's do that um you can say it now too they're doing like the kick childhood cancer thing and they want everyone to bring teddy bears to the game and the reason they want the, them to do that and they can't publicize this on their official uh team we, channels we want or people to do this we want, sorry, I want, I specifically, we want people to bring teddy bears and then when RSL hopefully scores a goal, everyone throws the teddy bears on the field and they will collect them and uh, do nice things with them. So yeah, bring a teddy bear to the LA game. Okay, and I'll mention that again next week. So, so, I'm so sorry, Minnesota. Okay. Why do I, I keep saying LA? Okay, I have no sorry. idea why, because we don't play LA at home. I know, because I was just looking at the Galaxy's form. Sorry, sorry. Home game, That's 31st, fair. Minnesota, and I need to stop looking at Jesus Ferreira and LA Galaxy on my computer because it really caught my attention. Anyway, Teddy Bear, 31st, bring one or a bunch or whatever. I don't know, go to DI. I don't know where you get Teddy Bears for cheap, but you can buy them in bulk maybe. Ooh, <laughs> Holly Express. Hold neighbor on, child? Who has teddy bears? Just go steal it. Yeah, or just take take them. Or just pay pay him two bucks, him or her. Because oh, kids are gullible. I just there's a box you can get there. from Amazon. You can get eight. You can get eight mini plush bears for sixteen dollars. You can get eight all at the same time. Uh, if somebody wants to bring the gigantic ones that you can get at Costco, I think that would be permissible as well. Apparently, you're free to go through security with any size of teddy bear. On. Are we talking like a, a squishmallow like a type Yes, the six foot one. Bring huh. that. Let's see. So I'm looking at AliExpress now. <laughs> and I'm trying to see. Like, <laughs> Can you buy 10,000 teddy bears? I mean, I probably could. Just I don't like think 10 pallets of teddy bears. Just max out every credit card I have on teddy bears. <laughs> and that's that's real devotion, though. Oh, here's some that look like cute little boba drinks. I'm going to post these in Slack for you guys. Certainly not going to post bears that look like boba drinks. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Not going to post that online because uh, on Twitter, at least. Oh, an, my goodness. It's an evil site. But. That's awesome. Wholesale teddy bears at discount prices. And this is a 40 centimeter size. These probably won't show up in time, but I like the idea here. September 19th. Yeah. Those are not. those are way bigger than I expected. <laughs> They're are like just the, the 40 centimeter thing? ones are huge. Yeah. That's like so funny looking. These pictures are hilarious. This site is so crazy. AliExpress yeah. is just. Oh, how about there are probably some good teddy bears on Wish. <laughs> I found uh, plushinarush.com. Oh. Which you can buy. Like they only sell like sets. 
let's see, a 14-inch natural colorama XL bear variety pack. Six pieces per set, nine dollars each, fifty-four bucks. Nice. Um, oh, $150 minimum order required. So you can buy a lot of bears. Did you guys know you guys okay? I'm gonna send you a link. Hold on. Check out what you can buy on here. It's pretty cool. Uh here we go. I love this part of the show where we're again, we've brought this up many times. I just sent a link to uh, an Alibaba where you can buy a roller coaster for $160,000. You can get a $500 coupon though. Yeah, that's true. So it'd be $159,000, uh, 1,900 or 500. That is, that is $159,500. There we go. That is cheaper than a Lamborghini. That's true. So instead of buying a Lamborghini, on like the wild mouse, this is a big ride. Yeah, you yeah. can buy. You can buy. You can also buy really cool. Th- oh, this one's a. This is your bargain one. It's fifty thousand dollars. You can buy um, a cheap price kitty amusement park equipment sixteen person roller coaster. So it also. I think this one spins while you ride it too. They have a video of it. But yeah, so uh, there's a lot of 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 roller coaster and uh, amusement park equipment you can buy on Alibaba. I don't listen. I'm not going to recommend you do this. But in case you're looking for, if, if we get enough people on our, the twenty dollar level on our, on our Patreon, yeah. then we'll buy one. That's a good point, point. and I will say, like, I think it's important that people that may have acquired, like, people that are lucky enough to be homeowners, you might have acquired some home equity in the last like couple of years. I think it's important <laughs> that you take out a home equity loan and buy a roller coaster because think about how much more money your house will be worth if you have a roller coaster. On, I was going to say we should, as a podcast, buy one of these and donate it to the the america first credit union plaza outside rio tinto oh my gosh <laughs> well what we, if, don't, we don't have to buy it we could just agitate the club so much that they are forced to buy it i if i were a billionaire i would be i were a billionaire i would be such a menace sometimes like i would buy <laughs> i would probably i don't know if you can put a hundred and eighty thousand dollar roller coaster on a credit card but i would do that and ship it to someone like the rio tinto <laughs> stadium or someone i hated just with like, like, a, with like a card on the outside that's like yes got this like, for you hope, hope you like, enjoy hope, hope have fun like how do they ship this like do they like how does any of this work oh there's a oh there's a water roller coaster for 200 wait this this price doesn't make sense 230 bucks i might buy this one. it's a model mm. oh this is just the tube <laughs> to ride this the water oh okay <laughs> just like huh. shoot all right never mind um but anyway so you know it says they'll deliver it in 20 days yeah that's really good if you need more than so one now you're in trouble yeah i mean you could they also sell like egg chairs that you can put yourself in for like vr situations uh they that's, do uh have bumper um, cars yeah, you can buy Ooh. bumper cars on here. I mean, um, we could just start our own theme park through Alibaba. Has anyone, do you think somebody's bought a roller coaster on Alibaba? Just anywhere. You think that's happened? Ooh, I, I mean, they've got a 100% on-time delivery. 70, no, I'm looking at the wrong number. Customer served one. Yeah. So somebody is. <laughs> You can buy a Ferris wheel. You can buy a Ferris wheel. That's actually more practical because it takes up less 
horizontal space, but you just need a lot of vertical space. So this one yeah, is I've, 20. I played in that roller coaster tycoon. That's a great yeah. way to make some extra money. Yeah, they, it's only yeah. like it's only like 10 or it's like probably two by 10 squares on roller coaster tycoon. Yeah. Where that's the one most recent one I sent is a two hundred thousand dollar two, sorry, it, it's between two hundred and three hundred fifty thousand dollars, um, and it ships via sea freight and then land, and you can customize the logo, the packaging, and the graphics for the for the uh, roller or the Ferris wheel. So, um, listen, somebody needs to do this. I don't know who you are out there, but somebody buy me a Ferris wheel, and we'll just put it somewhere. What are they going to do? You could huh? also buy, you know, donate to charity, I guess, or something. Did they install <laughs> it? You could also not buy a roller coaster and just donate your money to charity instead. Just as a charity he'd like you to do- donate to, and I'm sure he would be fine Oh, with this is fascinating. I'm so, sure Make-A-Wish Foundation would love a donation of a roller coaster instead of $120,000. Yeah. So listen to this. For installation, it says, our engineers available to overseas to install and training. The customers need to pay for their tickets, insurance, accommodation, and salary. Meanwhile, need to prepare the tools and workers to help finish the installation. So you got to have a whole team. Uh, well, they're th- I mean, really? Yo, you can buy a hot air balloon on I'm here. Gonna... This goes full circle back to our episode last week where you can buy a hot air balloon. And apparently wow. Ian told me that they are impenetrable by birds. So, uh, yeah, I don't, he didn't answer about Falcons. Yeah. Like what if I'm, a Falcon like was feeling very malicious? This is unbelievable. There's like, that looks like fabric is, is what I'm saying. Like I mean, it, it is fabric. I, I am cotton. so, yeah, yeah it looks like fabric that's like laced with like carbon fiber. So like you're fine. It's strong. Yeah, and hot air balloons. And it can't just be like cloth because they by burn fire into it. So like. Yeah, you can hot air balloon with Falcons in Dubai in oh. case that's interesting <laughs> to people. I, um, I have to say it is not. Of course you can in Dubai. Like Dubai is such a sicko. It's just like, what are we doing I'm gonna, here? I've got a friend. This is a true story. I've got a friend that lives in Dubai right now. I'm going to text him and say, ask him if he's gone uh, hot air ballooning with Falcons yet. Yeah, he he should. Can a bird pop a hot air balloon? A a Cura question. A single bird? No. Okay. Ooh, a single bird. But the implication is many birds could easily. I think we've got plenty of reason to feel unsafe about this. I'm sorry. No, that's not the implication. I that think is it weird. is. <laughs> yeah, then Brandon B went on to tell a story about how the woodpecker flew at his window and died. I don't know how that's relevant, but um, again, he's talking about a woodpecker. We're talking. I'm trying to. If a like a California condor like flew like would that would that could that take it out? Well, that'd be a whole host of problems because California condors are an endangered species. So you'd be in probably a lot of trouble. I'm not saying you're happening to the condor. I'm not saying you're personally trying to take down a California condor. Um, I know. I mean, certainly like, not in the hot air balloon. Someone said you were in a hot air balloon and you damaged a California condor. Like you could be in trouble. That's all I'm okay, saying. Okay, sure. But Stephen Ang- Angel-, Angel says he's a commercial balloon pilot with 10 years or so of passenger and race experience. Racing hot air balloons is hilarious. But uh, he said ne- absolutely nothing. If a bird hits you at extreme speed, it might make a hole, but it wouldn't cause a problem. It'd be mm-hmm. an annoyance at most. 
if you could get an ostrich into the air and drop him through, it would be a bigger <laughs> issue. <laughs> All right, that's our next podcast goal is to get an ostrich in the air and damage a hotter balloon with it. Listen, my grandpa used to be an ostrich farmer, so I might have a hookup on an ostrich. There you go. <laughs> Do we have a hookup on an airplane that we can put the hot the ostrich on and then like drop sh- it from? We could get like a Chinook helicopter and just like carry an ostrich. <laughs> above. Just get a Get an osprey. Just get How do we do this without harming the ostrich or the balloon? I think we okay. just have to accept right. that like, that's part of what's what, going to happen here. What if we get a do computer people, model of an ostrich? Do people eat ostriches? You can't drop a computer model onto no, a hot air balloon. Computer. Not a computer. <laughs> oh, you, oh. <laughs> I thought you meant like make a computer ostrich, model of this situation and see if we can like... meat is becoming a part of balanced diets. Where? So... According to roamingacres.com in 2018, people are out here eat, eating ostrich, I guess. It's iron rich. It's a great way to reduce your fat and cholesterol intake. Huh. Hmm. I'd love to try Probably. it. It's not endangered, uh, right? There's no just two ostriches? No, I don't think so. They're not ostrich endangered, but they are weird. For sale in Utah. I don't know about that. Market. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I like. They're too. They're too like weird of animals. They're like I mean, too big. All animals are too weird if you think too hard about it. That's how I feel. Is the is the ostrich the biggest bird? It's yeah. got to be right. I mean, okay, yeah, followed yeah. by big bird. Yeah. I don't think you should be allowed to eat the biggest kind of whatever animal it is. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's like a mammal, like what's the biggest mammal? You shouldn't be able to eat that. Whales, whale yeah, mammals, right? blue whales. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be able yeah. to eat a, a blue whale. What's the biggest lizard? <laughs> Do people eat? What's the uh, biggest fish? Shark? Komodo dragons? Are they lizards? Whale sharks are the biggest fish. You shouldn't be able to eat that. I'm just saying that this is across the board. I don't think people do eat whale sharks. Good. It's because it's the biggest uh, fish. That's why people don't eat it. I think it's the same should apply to birds. It is the common ostrich. So, I mean, like, it's not like you're eating a rare bird. Yeah, but it's too big. I'm not like, rarity isn't in in the equation. It's just the size. (laughs) I wonder uh, how big a common ostrich compared to cow pretty cow ostriches are like like six to eight feet tall i think all right but they're not as long or as like hefty no as not cow. nearly like obviously cows have more meat but cow weight an ostrich oh wow an average cow weighs 1200 pounds an average ostrich is only 287 pounds hold so on maybe it's not very efficient that's what i'm saying hmm. Hmm. Uh, ostrich is similar in taste, texture, and appearance to beef. It's comparable to beef and iron and protein. Mm. Less than half the fat of chicken and two-thirds less fat than beef and pork. Nice. Uh, how much are we getting here? Hold on. Add to cart, 180 bucks. But for how much? There's no way. This is 180 bucks. Apparently, it's two and a half to three pounds of ostrich tenderloin meat. Oh. Absolutely not. Okay, we're abandoning the plan to buy ostrich meat and try it i have had llama meat too big that's fine it's not the biggest and it was it was okay wasn't my favorite i feel like i could try again and do better all right well that's good to know 
ground ostrich meat is 30 bucks. All right, that's good to know. Again, it's, birds too big shouldn't be shouldn't be for sale. So, well, I'm also well, anti-eating big birds. So, yeah, all those yeah. yellow feathers. It would be gross. Yeah. Tastes like human, probably. <laughs> anyway, so we we hit the two hour mark. So that's that's we good. hit the two hour mark talking about roller coasters. So that's yeah, we good. Did. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, uh, tweet at one of us, and we'll. Give you a special something. Tell us what, what kind of exotic animal you would like to eat. Or Talk not. to me about the or rehearsal not. and bring a teddy bear that won't be eaten uh, to the game against Minnesota United on August 31st. And I will mention this again next week. So you will have no excuse. Oh, before we end, let's do this live on air. Peek behind the curtain. Social hour teddy bear thing. There. Yes. It's in the dock. Okay. Now we Thank are goodness. obligated to talk about it. Oh and uh, I'll goodness. get Gustavo Cuellar in there while I can. And uh, Thank you. we'll get back on that train. That but thanks good. for listening. Good night. Good, good night. night.